Conversation as we are turning this discussion into really a two-parter, man. But um, you know how we get down. I, I wanted to bring something to your attention before we continue. Uh, the seasons are changing. Um, it's getting a little chilly, nippy out here. Um, as the seasons are changing and the um, the leaves are falling. I'm getting another year older. Scorpio season is in full effect, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the village. Feel good to be a Scorpio, man. Um, you know, I was talking trash. You know, we got a lot of Libra friends and Libra buddies. I was talking trash on social media about the Libras because, you know, really, I just wanted to get them out the way so the, so the real the real G's can come on up. Come on, come on up and celebrate another year around the sun. But one thing I thought about, Brother Jay, as I become another year older, man, um, what's considered middle age? Like, am I middle? Am I like, am I middle age, man? Cause I, I feel like I'm, I'm around that corner, but I ain't like, I ain't got the, the bread to buy like a Corvette. I think, I think Harley Davidson or some shit. I think middle age is considered like fifty. Damn, it's fifty now. Well, I mean, cause you know you got your quarter life crisis, mid mm-hmm. life crisis. Three fourths. I don't know if that's a thing, but then, you know, most people. But I guess so. All right. So it's a thing, man. But you it know, also, black de- men. Yeah. Black men average age. You know, if it's sixty, like and people still don't believe that. Like the average, the average life expectancy of a black man in America is like legit sixty. Like that's some real. That's some real data driven shit. Sixty years old, man. I'll be forty three. B. Think about it. That wait. So, am I middle age or am I in the twilight of my, am I, am I, am I in the twilight of my, my years? You but know what I'm saying? I also it's think, a scary topic, I think it's, bro. I think it's relative though, right? Because some people never really experience what they call that quarter life crises. And so it's like, oh, have I not yet reached it? And then some people start to spiral in different different areas of their life. What I will say is I think those terms kind of antiquated because life is happening in different ways, shapes, and forms to different generations, right? And so, hell, just thinking about what we've experienced since 2001, September, and it's been I was a senior in college, bro. It a was senior. It, it it's just been back to back to back to back. So many yeah. things have happened. Even heck before that, we can we can think of some things that have happened, like Rodney King. Like so, this generation I was twelve has was eleven has experienced a lot, and so I think our trauma has aged us. Damn, yo. <clears throat> 
I do feel like I've lived like a couple different li- lifetimes. Like at one point, man, I was like, it was like Mufasa Simba. Like when my grandfather died, it was like he was Mufasa. And then, you know, I was a Kuna Matata went out there. But then I, be, <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm like 28 years old, 29 years old, man. I got a family. I got a, a baby. And he gone. I'm like the man of the family now. But it ain't just like my family. It's like my mother, my sister, like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's an extent, like people, people looking at me like, oh, well, this is the guy that, this is the guy that Snookum raised. And that's my grandfather. This is nickname. You know, every, every his government is Edward, right? He hated the nickname, but you know, every black family, everybody got a nickname. Everybody got a nickname. That's what it is. So. Everybody got a nickname. But it was like, this the, this the cat that Snookum, he, he, he groomed to become a lion. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And lead the pride. Because I was his pride, right? But it's interesting because I legit feel like I've lived a couple different lifetimes. Like I've been the fa- I've been like a family man, right? I've been kind of like a, a shining rising star in, the, in my profession or whatever. I've been a divorcee. You know what I'm saying? Um, shit, I guess a single parent. <laughs> To a degree, right now, shit, man. I just got a puppy. Got a puppy, man. Got a puppy, man. I named him Suge Knight. Suge Knight Holmes, man. He's an American bully. It's five months. I named him Suge Knight Holmes after American bully named Suge Knight. <laughs> see that? You see, it's like a double entendre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. American bully Suge Knight. Get it? But this the thing, though. If it wasn't for Suge Knight. We would not know about the greatest dog of all the world, Snoop Dogg. And think about think about Suge Knight in terms of the duality of marrying Suge Knight, the the man, right? Came from a good household, but grew up in a gangster neighborhood. But essentially became like one of the greatest entrepreneur businessmen in the history of American society and culture, man. This nigga started Death Row Records. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Tupac, the Dog Pal, the list like West Coast hip hop, mm-hmm. like giving 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 Crips and Bloods job, like <laughs> he gave job to the hood. And he, I mean, granted, he's a character in maybe certain aspects of his life, you know, not necessarily what you would want to brag about or highlight. But at the end of the day, man, ain't that a ain't that a black man in America? We have this duality of good and bad, hero and villain. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just it's, that's called being human. And so the the, the I, I think it's funny I named like a pit bull <laughs> Suge Knight, but it's like yo, Suge Knight was a protector. Suge Knight got Suge Knight got Tupac out of jail, b. Got Tupac out of jail, man. If it weren't for Suge Knight, we probably wouldn't have had probably one of the the greatest the greatest stretches of of artistry and creativity from a hip hop artist because Tupac would have been in Clinton correctional facilities, man. So I kind of I I look at like we in a we in a society right now where we ju- we do a lot of judging 
and everybody wants to judge from a perspective like you're a hero, but you want to judge like the villainous qualities in others. Mm. But everybody got this duality of being a hero or a villain, as we, you know, kind of have been talking about like the origins of things. And I had a breakthrough, brother. I had a breakthrough. I had the panic attack and kind of went through therapy, kind of talked it out. And, you know, I, I, I ain't gonna lie, man, I whiteboarded my trauma, yo. As you should. I whiteboarded that joint like I was like legit. I was in my office, man. I whiteboarded my trauma, man. Like, like I like, had a timeline and shit, man. It looked like some Miles Morales, like, <laughs> like into the into the multiverse type shit, bro. I don't know. I ain't, I ain't gonna lie, man. If somebody walked in on me, they would have thought I was fucking crazy, bro. Cause I had like like random dates and like like uh, acronyms for like the name the name of who was involved, like the the location where I was at. Like the first acronym was like the name of the people. Second acronym was like the location where it happened, and like the the third acronym was like the feeling I had at that time. When the, like this was like my exercise, man. I ain't even I ain't even looked this shit up or researched this shit, man. But I I just feel like yo, my life could be like a comic book, but I wish I was more. I wish I had Bruce Wayne's money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I don't, <laughs> right? I wish I had Tony Stark's money, <laughs> but I don't, <laughs> right? Cause I, cause now, I, but I thought about my life and my traumatic experiences and the origins of them in like the same vein. Like, I'm seven and my best friend dies. What was I feeling at the time, and what happened? I'm eight, and my grandmother, who's really my mother, because my I had a young mother, and so I was with my grandmother pretty much the majority of the time from the time I was born to the time I was eight. And my grandmother dies, who's my mother. And that's like Bruce Wayne when his parents got killed. Or Tony Starks when his parents got killed. You know what I'm saying? It's like, damn, like that changed who that per that child was. That changed like that perspective on life. That changed like this safe nurturing environment that you were a part of. So my my grandmother dies and dog, I go from being eight years old to becoming a latchkey kid, like eight years old and kind of like this environment where like you have this parental figures around you all the time. Cause my mom was working, my grandfather was working to becoming a latchkey kid, like overnight. Crazy. So then you kind of fast forward to like different segments of your life where you're trying to find that feeling that you had when you was eight but it don't happen you can't find it you can't find it in people you know what i'm saying so you think you might find it in a girlfriend or a wife nah it's just something that just it is but like that's part of the origin of some of the trauma that i have today as far as abandonment and um, trying to find, you know, holding on to relationships. In some instances, maybe for too long. You know what I'm saying? You just, you don't know. Because I know from a very young age, like, tomorrow's not promised with the people that you love and the people that you care about. And as I've gotten older, like, the theme has kind of repeated itself as if it's like a different volume of the same comic book of trauma. Or the origin, the, the the origin story in that comic book of trauma, 
So you have your child and then your father figure, your father, like you, you have a son and you lose your father within two weeks of each other. And the and the crazy part about like you're kind of in the middle of this time continuum of like you hear babies crying because that's your son and you're hearing your father crying because he's dying of cancer. Trauma origin, <laughs> you know, so like I'm whiteboarding all this shit, right? Because I'm because I'm, I'm like the conversation with my therapist, it really got me thinking, but then it got me tripping a little bit and I hadn't even smoked no joint that day. And I'm just like, damn, yo, my life is kind of like some comic book origin story type shit, but maybe it's not that, but that's how I understand. And I'm actually creating a level of awareness of what I've experienced, how it's impacting my relationships, the importance of me having this awareness to mitigate me passing that trauma along or hiding from it or running from it, but actually healing from it and becoming a better person and a better variation of myself in my current relationships and the status of my life that's meaningful to me. Like, you got to go through this process to be, like, the better you. What's scary to me is, like, you know, uh, in the comic books, you know, that's really the difference between, you know, the hero becoming a hero or becoming a villain. Like, there's a traumatic experience that typically the hero has uh, or who has been identified as a hero, they've dealt with it in a, I guess, a more positive manner. But the villain dealt with their, tra their trauma the way that they knew how. They just became a villain in the process. But, so my question for you is Yeah. Who determines Hero versus villain. Well, that's the thing, man. It's kind of like it's kind of like the Jay Z line in Soul Paul with Kanye West. It's like a dark night feeling. Die or be a hero, or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. And so, I honestly think like the 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 perspective or the perception of who's the hero, who's the villain, that's in the eye of who's on. I guess the which end of the trauma, if you're giving the trauma or if you're receiving the trauma. If I'm giving the trauma, then if I'm receiving the trauma, then you're the villain. And I'm the hero just by, just by nature of the transaction because you're doing something to me, right? Potentially. But if, I, but, but, but if, I'm, but if I'm giving the trauma, but maybe I don't have the awareness that I'm giving the trauma, but I'm giving the trauma because I'm trying to be the hero. And, and, and this ain't no shade to nobody one particular or another. It's like parenting styles. Like how parents determine how they punish their children. And some of it is like punitive and like corporate pun corporal punishment. And some of it is like corrective measures. But the, 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 the level of severity or um, the intensive nature of that punishment that's in the that's that that depends on your background, like whippings, for example. If you beat your kids, like is that a good thing or a bad thing? The parent, the parent, you know, I, the parent in context is saying, "I whip my child to make sure that they know that every time they do something in this magnitude, there's 
there's pain and punishment associated with the decision. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but in the parent's eyes, you're doing what's best for the child. Does that make you the hero or the villain? Exactly. So, so the parent, so eventually the, the child might grow up and say, well, goddamn, my parent was a villain because they whooped my ass and some of it was un- unnecessary. Some of it was overboard. But the parent is looking at it like, yo, I'm trying to make sure that you ain't, that you can survive in this world or give you like survival skills, you know, you know, all the justifications for, for an ass whipping. <laughs> but it, it's, it's literally two sides of a coin because the, the, the child is saying the parent is the villain. The parent is saying I'm the hero because I'm trying to protect you or help you become better. I can see that perspective, but I also hold reservation because if I put you on a pedestal, I can also take you off of the pedestal. And we will sometimes label someone a villain if their behavior is not in alignment with our expectations. If I don't get what I want from you, you're a villain. You don't do what I'm asking you to do or what I want you to do, you're a villain. You don't say what I need you to say or what I want you to say. You're a villain. And so I think we toss around hero and villain too freely. And it's situational. Going back to the the discipline uh, topic. There may be an individual that says, hey, you know, I was disciplined because I was doing shit I wasn't supposed to be doing. I wouldn't call my my mother or my father or anyone else that was disciplined me a villain. There was others that were around me that weren't being disciplined, and prison systems started disciplining them. So Who was the villain then? Right, so in that sense, it's kind of like, uh, they were kind of like my heroes. They prevented me from going down... Um, that wayward trajectory to where I would end up in the pipeline. So I think it's I think it's relative, and I think it all depends on one's exposure and experience. You ask a five year old who's the villain in the house. If he's mad at somebody because he didn't get chocolate milk the night before, then the person that didn't give him chocolate milk is the villain. But then when I, he, I, out of not considering the 99 times before that that person gave them the chocolate. It doesn't mean anything, right? Because that's, that's <laughs> not what we're talking about. We're talking about, I didn't get chocolate milk last night. But then when you grow older, you realize the reason why you didn't get chocolate milk when you asked for it because you was allergic to it. It created some type of uh, internal challenges within your body. And so now the person that you consider to be a villain every time you ask for chocolate milk really is the hero. But the question is, how did you respond because once you labeled them as the villain, you started to treat them as such. And oftentimes, we can't see the full scene if we're in it. Mm-hmm. That's why I tell a lot of my clients, it's imperative that you get with a therapist and a coach. A coach thinking about basketball, the coach is going to prepare you in practice The coach can see the things from the side that you can't see from the middle. 
So I have to be able to rely on my coach or trust my coach because my coach can see things that I can't because I'm focused on where I'm going. And the coach is able to see the whole entire court at play. So when we are in the middle of a situation, when we're in the middle of our trauma, we have limited visibility. And when I got into the coaching space and started seeing clients, I started to realize that we all do this thing of labeling something to get it out the way or to say we've dealt with it. An example would be if you ask a child if they want to eat something and they don't, but they know that if they say no, they're probably still going to be forced to eat it or there's going to be an adverse reaction, they'll say, no, I don't like it. My nephew did that as a kid. I knew the kid never tried something. He's like, no, I don't like that. I said, is it that you don't like it or you've never had it and you want something else? Mm, I think I would like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I said, okay, well, what was wrong with just saying that's not what you wanted? He's like, well, in my house, selling business, he was like, I don't get that option. Got it. And so now when we're going back to hero villain, right, now the little kid is forced to lie to protect himself from previous traumatic experiences because he knows when he says, I don't like it, that the response will be more favorable than I don't want it. The challenge is when you get to be 30 and 40 and you're still resorting to, I don't like it as a response, instead of utilizing your words, you're not really dealing with the, with the trauma. And so we find these ways of coping. We find these ways to just get it out the way real quick. Just say, just say you don't like it. And you won't, you know, you won't have to deal with this. Something that's hard or challenging. I don't like playing this game. Well, you've never played it, so why don't you give it a try? Well, I don't I don't like it. Okay, man, because I I think people uh people automatically are uh fearful or afraid that it may not work or uh, it may not work for them. You know what I'm saying? Um, and one of the interesting pieces about this kind of exercise, man, is like I realize like there are no villains in my trauma. Like there are no vi- You know how people say, oh, well, I had this kind of, I came from this kind of home or this person treated me a certain kind of way or whatever, whatever, whatever. And in this exercise, honestly, man, it helped me understand, like, my grandfather, like, the grief he experienced when my grandmother passed away, him being legit, what we de- what you defined earlier as middle age, like, he was 50. And him, like, being with somebody for damn 30 years of his life, and then she's gone, and he's never, he's legit never the same. And understanding, like, the nuances of his life and in certain moments that I just like, like, yo, what's going on with this guy? And me, me getting older, going through similar experiences and things like, 
oh, Pops was grieving, and he ain't know what to do. And so he did what he thought he could or should. Wow. I'm like my father. My father kind of um, is an exceptional enlisted person in the Navy. Good career. His mother, my grandmother, um, passes away, dies at 40 years old from a brain aneurysm. I think my father's like early 20s in the Navy. And I'm like 18 months old. He's close with his mother. He he goes down the path of self-medication and not dealing with the trauma. And most of my life, we were estranged. I knew about him. But legit, I could remember meeting my father in the physical. Like, I could count it on one hand. All the times I seen my father, like, face-to-face from the time I was like five years old and I remember he came out from California, came to Virginia, brought me a San Diego Chargers hat because that's where he was stationed at and I had some crayons that melted in the car and we went to the mall, bought crayons and all this other shit. He had a shag. It was cool, man. He had, you know, you know, you know, the old school niggas, man, back in the day, man, they used to brush their hair to the back, man, to get the waves because that was the easiest way but then he had the little shag in the back, man. I thought it was the coolest shit ever, man but at, at any rate, Understanding like the decisions that he made that ultimately impacted our relationship as father and son, it was like, damn, his trauma had an origin story too. So all of the pain and thing and the conflict that he and I had in our lifetime together, was he a villain? Nah, not really, cause shit, he was trying to he he had other other mechanisms in his life that turned him into who he was, but he didn't start out this way. Right. So it's like a level of empathy and grace that I was able to kind of like identify with like all of the members of my village that had some kind of impact, influence on where I am today. And it's no villains. It was all heroes, man, because everybody was trying to do what they could, how they knew how to do it. But there was no guidance. <laughs> there was no there was no like, let's sit back, take a pause and, and like. Be rational. Let's not get in our emotions and try to self-medicate or try to ignore it or try to uh, turn a blind eye or try to just say, ah, that's just that's just who they are. Nah, people be having meltdowns, man. And it's like a a matter of like people having this level of of patience. And I don't know, man. For some reason, me going through the origin of my own shit. I was able to go through the origin of all of my all of my family and actually like heal from shit, man. To your point though. Well, first, I'm glad that this exercise was helpful for you in navigating the things that you're currently experiencing. That's first and foremost. Two, the challenge with a lot of what you said is Back in the day, people weren't equipped for this. If there was a problem, old school black folks told the pastor. That was pretty much it. All these individuals are experiencing trauma after trauma after trauma. We telling people to go lay down. Oh, you just need some rest. Because we don't know, we don't know what to say. 
So we resort, going back to my child. I brought your name to the altar today. Going back to my child uh, example of I don't like it versus that's not what I want. It's easier to go back to what's familiar and they're not feeling well, so you need to go lay down. I remember when there was a family member and she lost her child and and they just kept telling her that she needed she needed to lay down. Oh, you need to get in bed, you need to rest. What else does she need like what else can you provide her other than these instructions? It's not a it's not a it's not a cold. She ain't got the flu. She's grieving. She's in emotional distress. She's in pain from the inside out that medicine is not going to take away. And the only thing I, I keep hearing is that she just needs to go lay down and get some rest. What the hell does, like, years later, she's still grieving this, this loss, because the people that were around her, no fault of theirs, but they didn't know what else to do. What happens when you don't deal with the trauma? And let me not keep saying deal. Work to resolve. What happens when you don't work to resolve it? You pass it on. You pass it on to anyone that you come in contact with. And you're living long enough to become a villain. You keep passing it on. Because people keep labeling you as, oh, that's just how they are. Oh, she's just been nasty. Like, why are you so nasty? Why are you so mean? <laughs> yo, ain't nasty or funny. Like, when somebody calls somebody nasty, like, yo, it's like either mad, dirty, or extra sully. But, like, nasty is one of them words, man. Like It's all in know, how it, you use it, right? It's all it's in like the tone. Fighting. Is it fighting words, though, man? Not even that. It's just all in the tone, right? It's like the way they, the way it comes out is, oh, that's what they mean. Yeah, yeah, but 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 you know if if the tone ain't quite right, yo, know, like you that shit could get you cut, probably. I'm sure. Calling somebody nasty, like what you mean? What you mean, nigga? <laughs> but when you think like, I, I remember hearing individuals refer to someone as you know they've been nasty their whole life. Then as I grow older, I'm just like, it's not that they're nasty; it's that the trauma has taken over them, and they don't know how to be anything other than what they are. Because when she, when she was when she was experiencing that moment of grief, you told her to go lay down. And so while she's in the back crying, figuring out what does tomorrow look like, y'all in the front eating fried chicken. Kids is playing, music is playing, y'all watching TV, and life continues for you. But this person in the back has experienced traumatic moment that has now shifted and transmogrified the days after today. And so now she's at the age of 50 and nobody wants to be around her because no one knew the tools or knew how to help someone get through this unless they've experienced a similar experience. And even then, if I've experienced it, 
then I'm going to treat you as if you're experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing. Not a similar thing, but the same exact thing. This is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And everybody's situation is different, right? We are all walking around. That, that, one, that, one, that one size fits all approach, though. It's like, oh, it worked for me. It could work for you. And chances are it didn't work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I'm very careful when I'm engaging with individuals because I recognize that we are all walking around with unhealed trauma in one way or another. Um, Some have avoided it. Some are working on it. Some have worked through it but are still triggered. And so... You talked about operating from a space of grace, but like, how do we, how do we do that? How do we, how do we sit with the fact that, you know, we've experienced something traumatic and then how do we peel back the layers, focus on it? I remember I was having a conversation with my black men, um, black men's mentoring group in college and listening to some of these young brothers share some of their stories a lot of them were missing what some would consider basic human interaction. One of the young boys, he said, um, <laughs> you met Derek, my friend, brother. Like, him and the other, other brothers, like, whenever they would separate, it was, a, it was that, and they gave a hug. And it was young, one young brother, he was like, I didn't know what to think. I've never received a hug from another man. Mm -hmm. And everyone in the room was like, huh. He's like, a father figure, uncle, nobody in my family embraced me to let me know that what I'm experiencing, I'm going to be okay. Like, it, it was just an expectation, like, yo, get your shit together. He said, so the first time, like, Brother dapped me up and gave me a hug. He said, I didn't know what to do with that shit. <laughs> and I started I started laughing because he was like, Oh, weak ass, soft ass, <laughs> hugging me, man. He was, like, like, he was like, I got mad in the moment. He said, but then as yeah. I'm walking back to my dorm in the middle of the night, I'm thinking like, damn, this is my first time having an interaction with an older man that actually was concerned about me. He said, bro, I cried when I got to my dorm room. He said, I held it together. He said, but man, I couldn't get my key out long enough. This was before all the doors were electronic. He said, man, I couldn't get my key out fast enough. He said, I cried. He said, because like you all genuinely had a concern about me, not my classes. But like, yo, how are you handling the transition? What does it feel like to be by yourself? And he said, bro, he said, to be completely honest, he said, when you asked me that question, my initial thought was it feels great to be by myself because I was leaving so much traumatic shit behind me. He never went back home. Holidays, school closures, he found something to do. He jumped in the car and went home with somebody else. He refused to go home. And then years later, we were having a conversation. He says, I can't go back to what I came from. Because he's, he's like, I've done so much work on myself that going back is going to undo it. And I'm just like, wow. He's like, yeah, I'm not at the space. I'm not, I'm not at the space where I can go back and be vulnerable and be in this unhealed space just yet. 
I recognize it. Awareness, man. Awareness half the battle, bro. And and <laughs> how do you become aware if no one around you has ever exercised awareness? Ooh, that's because you can't be what you don't see. It's heavy, man. How do you how do you operate from a from a space of grace if grace has never been extended to you from the people that are around you? Mm. I don't know what grace is, so how can I give it? Mm-hmm. Right, like I remember an individual kept saying, "Yeah, I need you to be my peace. I need you to be my peace." And I asked him, I said, well, you're telling your girlfriend to be your peace. Has you identify what it looks like? Because mm. what she's giving you could be peace. But you don't know what it looks like, so you keep asking for something, and, and you, you don't know what it looks like, so therefore you're not ready to receive it because you don't know what it, when it's coming, how it's going to come, and what do I do with it when it gets here? Do I put it in the bag? Do I put it on my back? Do I put it in my pocket? Like, what do I do with, when peace arrives? Is it something that I have to open? Is it going to have my name on it? Is it going to announce its presence? And so you keep am asking. Am I going to sleep? Am I going to dance? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Am what I am I going to do with am it? I cry? And, and yeah. are, you, are you really able to, like, you keep asking for it, but you don't know what it is? That's lacking awareness. But you heard it on a movie. You heard it on a TV show. You heard it on the radio. You heard it you on. Read it on a meme. Yeah, you heard it on social media. Like, and you don't know what it is, but you're asking for something that you haven't tapped into. What is this? So when we think about trauma, man, trauma is multidimensional. And I'm pretty sure you discovered this. You may have thought that the trauma started here, and then when you started to unfold it, you was at that was part two. Nah, man, part one like, actually like, started here. Yo, it was like Spider-Man into the, the multiverse, man. Like yeah. the Miles Morales shit, man. It's like it was like I it was like me as the kid, me like as a teenager, me as like uh early twenties, me like in like my mid thirties, me now. And it's the same cat, but it's it's like different ages, but it's weird because it's really different people because it's like different experiences and demeanors and exposures at those given moments in time. And I could kind of see like my mind changing and my perspective changing, my heart hardening, my mm-hmm. heart softening, you know what I'm saying? Like at different moments in my life because of, you know, what I thought of me trying to reconcile, uh, you know, the duality of, of being, uh, perfectly imperfect to have this space to be a hero or a villain because i mean real rap man i've been a hero and a villain to the people who have been who have been the closest to me but i once again i think that's all by perspective yeah 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 right and and i and i tell my clients stop assuming that you have to fulfill a role when you show up you show up as yourself depending on who you're interacting with, they're going to put you in the space in their mind where they think you belong or where you fit. And you have no control over that. I could give somebody $1,000 and I'd give somebody um, $1,000 and a quarter. I'm a villain because now I'm not treating people equally. I'm unfair. 
And really, I just found the quarter that was right by their foot, and I'm picking it up and giving it back to them because it was theirs. But because you didn't receive a quarter, now I'm a villain. And I don't, and I don't subscribe to any of the labels that people place on me because my job isn't to be a character in your story. I don't have a role in your movie. I just so happen to engage with you and interact with you. Where you put me is where you put me. But that doesn't, tr that doesn't control how I show up because I'm showing up as myself. I'm doing what I feel led to do. I'm doing what I've been designed or created or called to do. That's it. You may not be in agreement or in alignment with it, but ultimately you don't really have to. No, you can. I'm the I'm the protagonist and the antagonist in this in this novel. I wouldn't even say that, bro. Like I'm I'm, I'm the main character in my story and what and come what may, I'm going to deal with it. Yeah. But the more time that I take out and try to label someone as, hey, this is going to be the good person, this is going to be the bad person, understand that with labels come responses, right? And I tell people this, especially my, in, within the realm of child psychology, if you label a child as a bad child, guess what's going to happen? The child is going to strive to be the label that you put on them. Oh, okay, I'm the bad child, bad. Let me let me outdo it. Let me let me manifest this let, bad. Boy. Let me show you how bad how bad yeah. be, right? Yeah. And and so I'm like, be very careful. And someone's like, I don't really believe that, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, things seep into the unconscious mind, like the self-fulfilling prophecy. The more and more someone starts to hear it, the more and more they start to be it. Whether they want to or not. Why are you always doing X, Y, and Z? Think about the middle child, right? I ask middle children all the time, like, why are you like this? I'm the middle child. This is how I'm supposed to be. Mm. Why? Why are you always showing up like this? Well, this is what I'm supposed to be. This is my role. Why when I hear about anything about the middle child, I just hear, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. On <laughs> <laughs> the Brady Bunch movie where the sister was, <laughs> all I hear about is Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Like, like if, even if it's, if it's a dude or, or a woman, man, like, yo, every time they, somebody say they the middle kid, that's all I hear. <laughs> and that's how they act. Why a whiny ass. <laughs> Right, I gotta be the antagonist. I gotta, I gotta yeah. cause some shit, and then I gotta yeah. play the victim because yeah. everything's happening that I created, but it's not Marcia, my fault. Marcia, Marcia. So yeah, I, I tell people don't don't subscribe to the label. Show up. You are the main character in your movie. Do what you need to do. When you start to focus on the role that other people are playing, you diminish the quality of yours because you're giving too much attention and energy to something that you don't have the control over. So when you're dealing with your trauma, that's what you're supposed to deal with. Maybe your mother did cause the trauma. You're not dealing with your mother. You're dealing with the response. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly, because that's how it shows up. The it's your response in like your other relationships. Yeah. It's your response in how you just... Well, well my mother did this or my father did this, yeah. and it's done. This, it it this happened. Just, this is just who I am. And actually, it's not who you are because... That's you. You didn't do it. They did it. So that don't mean you have to do it too, <laughs> right? And so it's and that's like, not like a good justification of the behavior. It's never, you know I mean? never justification. Yeah, it's an excuse, and we know what excuses are. Mm. You know, I, I, I think it's um, it's it's been a, a really 
enlightening exercise, man, because I feel like I'm taking ownership of my shit, but I'm but I'm I'm redefining it into what I want it to be, like on some alchemy shit, man. It feels good. It feels good, man, because like you know, the 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 realest thing ever is like, yo, my life my life had a lot of challenges, but my life had a lot of good stuff too. You know what I'm saying? Like the benefit of having like a young a young parent, you know what I'm saying, is like I saw Michael Jackson live. <laughs> I saw Purple Rain in the movie theaters. And I probably, and this is how I remember, because I peed my pants in the movie theater. Well, that's, right? that's a traumatic experience, too. It's, yeah, I know. But even still, I saw The Last Dragon in the movie theaters, man. Um, you know, my mom my mom had me at all, like, the, at the shows and the Afrin Fest and stuff. I grew up with my mother. <laughs> so, that's like, that's the cool thing about having young parents, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they... they, they they had a lot of vigor <laughs> when you was coming up, man. So it, it, I got a certain level of energy now. But um, there was no villains in my life, man. Everybody played a, a significant role. And I feel as if I've been able to um, feel good about how I got here. And even good about the panic attack, because I know where it came from. The origin of it. In the in the testament of my perseverance, despite it, you know what I'm saying. Like it was, it's 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 powerful. It's scary because it's like, damn, you got to really like strip bare bones and look yourself in the mirror as far as like your life. But it was cool because it's like, damn, man, look what I've overcome. Look what I've become, despite the the, the nuances of the 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 origin. It's beautiful, man. I, I I wish I wish every black man could experience it, man. Cause like I feel like all of us have our own origin of how we got here, and it's certain things that prohibit us from like really being able to sit down and reflect on how we got here and where we where we need to go, or or imagine or reimagine where we want to go. Where would we like to go? And and to have that to have that latitude to 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 reflect and and think and try and fail and get up and do it again and learn and grow. Cause that's that's how we overcome trauma. It's it's, it's that shit is through trial and error, bro. That shit is through trial and error, man. And it ain't no it ain't no magic formula to it. And and to be completely honest, you may never, ever get over it. You'll just learn how to get in front of it so it doesn't get in front of you. The origin, man. The origin stories, man. I feel like, man, I feel like I'm a comic book character, man. You know, but I want to I wanna manifest, the, like, the, the Bruce Wayne wealth. And the Tony Stark's wealth, man. Like, if I got to endure all of the trauma that they endured, man, and the heartbreak, I want the money, too. <laughs> can't, can't, have it. Can't, can't have all the bad stuff, man. I want, I, want the, I, want the, I want the Ferraris and the planes and the automobiles and the butlers 
and the robots and all that good stuff too, man. That's the next. I don't know if I can crack that code though. I don't want to be like Superman. Like I don't want those type of superpowers, man. I'd rather be I'd rather be paid than to be able to fly. Cause I feel like if I feel like if I'm paid, then I can I can create the opportunity or the experience to fly if I want to. Like Tony Stark's created a suit, Batman created a plane. That's fair. Ha ha. Whoop de do, Superman. <laughs> you got a cape. Whoop de do. But I don't know, man. Boys and stories, man. But yo, brother Jay, it's always an honor and a privilege. Uh, breaking bread with you, man, and kind of just talking out my shit, man. Hopefully, the village is we enlightening the village this this season, man. We amplified, we turned up, so you know, we're trying something new, something improved. But uh, you know, thank you for listening to our origins, and hopefully, you can uh, define and recognize the origins in you. With that being said, you've just witnessed another edition of the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. I'm KEV, that's RLJ, and we are the gentlemen advancing the melanin evolution, where evolution is revolution. Until next time, find your origin and be light. Be light.